Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I'm Lynn Galadner, a writer, entrepreneur, and changemaker, and I've dedicated my life to sharing stories of how people make meaning in their work and find purpose in their lives. This podcast highlights some of the great ideas and activities people do every day to make the world a better place. So much of the meaning we find comes from interacting with great people, developing relationships that are mutually beneficial, and doing work that inspires. I hope you'll be inspired by the people you meet on this podcast. We all need to find a way to make meaning in the mundane. Welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. I read about Merle Saferstein in a book called When to Jump by Mike Lewis about having the courage to completely change your life. I was impressed with Merle's story of inspiration and legacy. Her story is a lovely one. I'd like to read her bio for you before welcoming her to the show today because it is just so beautifully written. Here goes. Twelve inches of snow covered the ground on the day I was born in Cleveland, Ohio, my home until I was 28 years old. I grew up in a middle-class neighborhood with parents who were nurturing and who showered me with much love. I truly was one of the lucky ones. I married my high school sweetheart and taught elementary school for several years. After my husband graduated from podiatry school and finished his internship, we moved to Miami, Florida with our six-month-old daughter and our gentle German shepherd. At the time, we had no idea what life would be like in this tropical paradise, but it didn't take me long to fall in love with the ocean and with living in South Florida. When our son was three years old, I went back into education and had a wonderful career, a preschool teacher, the director of a preschool, the director of a summer day camp with 350 campers, an administrative assistant in a private high school, the educational consultant for the Anne Frank in the World 1929 to 1945 photographic exhibition, and finally, the director of educational outreach at the Holocaust Documentation and Education Center in Hollywood, Florida, my position for 26 years. The focus of my work at the Holocaust Center was to help Holocaust survivors pass along their life stories, their legacy of remembrance to this and future generations. After retiring from the center in December 2011, I developed a course entitled Living and Leaving Your Legacy and began teaching it in October of 2012. I have since taught more than 40 classes and speak on the subject of legacy to a wide range of audiences locally and nationally. In 2012, I completed Room 732, my debut collection of short stories based on the Hollywood Beach Hotel. Ever since 1984, with each walk I took along the shores of the Atlantic Ocean, I thought about writing this book. I never lost sight of that goal and finally cleared the space to sit down and make it happen. My dream has come true as I have combined my writing, teaching, and volunteering, touching lives, and connecting with others. Merle, welcome to the Make Meaning Podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Well, how does it feel to hear your own bio read back to you? <laughs> well, it's interesting. I know it was it was um, it was good. Yeah, I, I was thinking about just where I've been and and reflecting on how fortunate I've been in my life. And it's just so beautifully loving the way that you wrote it, and it it just sounds to me like from this bio alone that you've loved every step of your journey too. I have, and um, recently I heard um, uh, Maya Angelou talking about how, you know, it was prior to her dying that she she was talking about how when she turned 80, it was the best time in her life. Mm-hmm. 
And as I'm approaching 75, mm-hmm. I keep thinking that I've never been happier and never oh. loved my life more. And yet each, each step of the way, I've been so fortunate to do what I've done. That's so wonderful. So tell me about the work you do with legacies. Um, how do you, how did you get into this? And, you know, what do you do every day? Okay, so when I retired from the center, prior to my retiring, I spent a year trying to figure out what I wanted my life to look like, because I knew I wasn't done working. Uh, but I also knew that it was time for me to move on to write the book. And I understood that who I am as a teacher and a writer, but I really wanted to teach. And so through my journaling, actually, I was writing about what what could I possibly teach. And one day, Legacy came up, and I thought, you know, maybe maybe there's something to that, because Mm -hmm. I spent so much time with the survivors helping them pass along their legacies. Yeah. So I developed this course called Living and Leaving Your Legacy, Mm -hmm. which um, has it can be taught in either four weeks, six weeks, eight weeks. I do um, workshops, an all-day workshop, a few-hour workshop. Uh-huh. And basically what it is is helping people understand that how they live their lives is their legacy. Hmm. So often when people think about legacy, they think about the financial piece, you know, sure. how much money they're going to leave, whatever. This isn't anything about that. This is really passing along um, one's hopes and dreams, life lessons, values and beliefs. Hmm. And so in in the course we spend a lot of time looking at what our lives are like. Are we doing the things that, that bring us joy? Um what what is it that how how do we want to be remembered? Hmm. And and then after a lot of introspection and there really is a lot of um time that I spend talking about our lives and, and really looking at that. Then we we kind of flip to the leaving piece, and the leaving piece is about leaving something tangible. Mm-hmm. So it may be an ethical will, mm-hmm. um, an interview that someone does, you know, mm-hmm. a video interview, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, an autobiography, so things like that. So it's mm-hmm. it's a combination of the two. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I spend much more time on the living piece, and sure. sometimes um, we. Depending on and who who the class is for, mm-hmm. yeah, um, depends on how much they want to do in terms of doing something tangible. Yeah, it's interesting. I I was very close to my grandparents, and. Um, as they grew older, and you know, my whole life I've been a storyteller. I was a journalist. Um, always been a writer, and I I interviewed them and um, just wrote down their stories. Um, actually, recorded one of my grandfather's, and I was mm. looking for those tapes recently and couldn't find them. But at least I typed up the interviews and printed them out with pictures that um, my grandparents had, and so. I, I still have that, you know, it's, it's their stories and their journeys. And, and even though I thought I knew them well, I learned new things. And um, uh-huh. it's interesting because I, I think that the people um, we're close to and the people who really spend time with us um, are imparting a legacy, whether they know it or not. Absolutely. I, I, I truly believe that really how we live is our legacy. Mm -hmm. So even if someone doesn't leave anything, Mm -hmm. we remember them for who, who they were Mm -hmm. in our lives, who they were in their lives. And, you know, we, as as human beings, we watch each other and we Mm -hmm. observe. And so we learn that way. And 
and that becomes someone's legacy. Interesting, interesting. So um, I know in the pre-interview, you said that making meaning through your work adds purpose to your life and vice versa, and that the two are forever intertwined, which is such a beautiful notion. Um, Do you think that that's true for most people that, you know, the meaning and purpose of life and work sort of intersect or... Um, or are they separate entities for most people? I like to believe they were they were the same yeah. and intertwined. Um, I I often think that someone who goes to work every day who doesn't love his or her job mm-hmm. um, is is really missing out. Mm-hmm. Um, I I believe so strongly that we need to do what speaks to our soul, mm-hmm. and when we do that then I think there is that connection. Hmm. Um, what speaks to our soul. That's a beautiful idea. How did you know what spoke to your soul on the different stages of your journey? That's a great question. Um, <laughs> when I was, when I, was in, uh, I always wanted to be a teacher. Mm-hmm. And then when I was in college, I decided I wanted to be a psychologist. And I called home and told my parents I was going to switch my major. Mm-hmm. And my mom said to me, oh, no, you have to be a teacher because you will always have a job. Mm-hmm. And in those days, I listened to my mother. <laughs> I, I would never have questioned her. Mm-hmm. So I became a teacher. But I always I always knew that in my heart I was a teacher. Sure. Um, and so I think that I just kind of followed my my path and it just took me from one one place in education to another Mm -hmm. each time I knew that as long as I was making a difference in someone's life I was happy Mm -hmm. interesting and through teaching I was able to do that and one of the really interesting things that's happened to me Mm -hmm. through Facebook is that students of mine so I started teaching in in 1967 Mm -hmm. and recently I've heard from students who are in my third grade class in Mm. 1970 and Mm. just hearing the impact that I had Mm -hmm. on their lives Mm -hmm. has been so so incredible to me and Mm. really makes me realize that all along I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to be doing. Mm. It's so lucky. It's really just wonderful. No kidding. <laughs> it well, is. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like you you embrace where you are, um, you know, and, and you had a lot of years in education. Um, and then being at the Holocaust Center, that was, you know, quite a chunk of time as well. I imagine there was education in that. And there's also legacy in all of these steps, right? Right. So the Holocaust Center, how I got to that was so interesting because... Mm-hmm. Um, I had quit working for a while after being at the high school Mm -hmm. and I was writing, actually writing the book and I was walking at the beach and met a man who was writing and and we were actually jogging, you know, it would pass each other each morning. Mm -hmm. It turns out that he had left the priesthood and Mm -hmm. his journey eventually took him to New York and he became the director of the Anne Frank Center Mm -hmm. and they had just received the exhibition Mm -hmm. about Anne Frank, the photographic exhibition. Mm -hmm. And he asked me if I wanted to bring it to Miami, knowing that I, you know, I kept journals and that mm-hmm. Anne Frank was always someone that I was intrigued with. Mm-hmm. And so I did the exhibition, which then led me to the Holocaust Center. Hmm. And it was really interesting because through that time that I became friends with my friend Tom Osborne, mm-hmm. my mother was only afraid that he was trying to convert me because <laughs> he had been a <laughs> And meanwhile, he led me to the most. Um, meaningful 
mm-hmm. career mm-hmm. in Holocaust education. And mm. because we live in South Florida, um, I had the great opportunity to work with about 500 Holocaust survivors, wow. which in itself is such a huge privilege yes. to get to know them yeah. and to help them to pass along their stories mm-hmm. to high school and college students mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and middle school students too. So that job um, had so much, so many opportunities mm-hmm. to do things and to learn and to meet people and um one year we did a, we helped some of the survivors from New York and we brought together 5,000 Holocaust survivors from all over the country. Wow. As, in a reunion. Oh my and, gosh. Um, I know, it was amazing. <laughs> I was in charge of the logistics. So oh my it was gosh. Somewhat of a nightmare <laughs> uh-huh. trying to see 5,000 Holocaust survivors. Mm-hmm. But the experience, and we worked, we had the United States marching band mm-hmm. um, but, and just, Ellie Wiesel was there and, mm. and the Secretary of Defense. It was incredible. And one of the most wonderful pieces of that was we had um, military men and women uh-huh. who were in the different um, different you know, uh, liberating forces uh-huh. march down with their flags. And oh. so as they marched down, survivors oh. who who were liberated by those troops would come and like kiss the flag. It was oh. so moving. Uh, you're making yeah. me cry. I mean, this is like, I I'm getting chills just thinking about it, you know? Yeah. Well, it's interesting the story. because working with Holocaust survivors could be, some people could feel that it would be um, frightening or daunting just to, to confront that kind of history. But yet mm-hmm. the stories and the lessons um, the humanity, you know, in, in endurance and surviving is so rich and um, has something for everyone. I mean, tell me about some of the people you encountered and that you had the gift of, of working with. Well, one of, the, one of the things that I think above all else is that they really taught me the resilience of the human spirit. Yeah. So just just sitting and talking to People who, there was one woman who, Anita Carroll, who had um, been a child survivor, and she was, as a young child, was put into a home of Catholics uh-huh. and was taught that Jews were were bad people. Mm-hmm. And so she grew up from a young child up until after the war when her mother came and got her. Mm-hmm. And um, Anita was hysterical because she found out that she was Jewish wow. and, and she had, you know, all this time she had learned that she was not, you know, the Jews were bad people. Yeah. yeah. And so just dealing with that kind of thing or mm-hmm. the survivor, um, a survivor, Judy Friedman, who was a, um, she ended up being a teacher in her later life, but she was about 15 and 16 mm-hmm. when she was in Auschwitz mm-hmm. and she would gather the children, um, the younger, not children, but the younger teenagers in mm-hmm. her bunk at night mm-hmm. and sit and tell them a story mm. or um, repeat um, like movies that she saw. She, she'd mm-hmm. share with them mm-hmm. the, the themes of those just to keep them, to give them hope. Mm. Um, so I met a woman um, and became very friendly with a woman named Lisa Bogart who um, mm-hmm. Was in Trazenstadt when the Red Cross came, oh. and um, they 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 were told that they had to you know what 
what actually happened was that the Nazis had them create a city. So yeah. it looked like there were all these stores and wonderful things. Yeah. And the kids were told that if they offered them anything, they would say no. So Lisa always told the story. She would say, so the, the Nazi came up to me and offered me a piece of candy. And they said, oh, no, thank you. I've had more than enough of my share oh, today. My and that gosh. just, I mean, just knowing how starving they were. Yeah. And then... Um, and then I went to um, Poland with some of the survivors, mm-hmm. and I was in the, and we were standing along a fence, and one of the survivors, Henry, said to me, you know, when I was here on the other side of the fence, mm-hmm. there were people vacationing mm. and planting, um, planting their gardens, and oh. he said, and we were looking for a piece of grass to eat. Oh. So, I mean, these stories, I could just go on and on, yeah. um, ju- just just to listen to them, to be privileged enough yeah. to to hear them on a daily basis like I did. People used to say, isn't your job depressing? And I, and I was so grateful yeah. that I had the opportunity to do this. I mean, really, well, incredible. It, it sounds, too, like it's a choice, the legacy that we leave, you know, we choose to have hope and to be positive or not. It's like the glass half full, glass half empty. And, um, you know, just one of the things that, you know, really impresses me about you is your perspective, you know, that you've loved every stage of your life and you're immersed in it when you're there. And that is a huge gift for anybody who encounters you and, and says, wow, that here's a happy person and it's contagious. It's something inspiring that, you know, is a legacy that you can leave immediately um, or lasting, you know, in a long-term way. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, you know, one, you. Of, yeah, you. <laughs> one of the things I wanted to ask about also, I know that you recently attended a grief conference and um, one of the things that I was thinking about is, is whether, um, you know, not every legacy is positive. And um, even if people aren't deliberately writing their legacy um, or crafting it in such a way to purposefully leave it with someone, um, they're still leaving a legacy. And so, how do we process that? You know, if, if um, we lose someone and they, they weren't that dear, they weren't, <laughs> they weren't, they didn't impress uh, us um, with kindness the way we had hoped. How do we process uh, that? You know, how do we make sense of that kind of a legacy? That's a great question. So I was at a, tr- a retreat. It was um, a retreat for people who lost loved ones. It was in San Francisco, put on by the mm-hmm. Bay Area mm-hmm. um, Jewish Healing Center. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that struck me was that they they do not ever refer to the people who passed away as um, loved ones. Mm, okay. So, and I had never thought that. And and yeah. I did a journal. I do journal writing with people who have, have lost people in their lives. Mm-hmm. And I've always said, you know, so write a letter to your loved one. And when they said that, I thought, whoa. Yeah. And then I began to realize that that really is an issue for people. Yeah. And so um, I think that it's coming to terms. Mm-hmm. And there, there are so many levels to that of understanding mm-hmm. and valuing um, what, what they did get from the person mm-hmm. and sometimes what they got was so painful yeah. that, that, uh, you know, in many cases, it's just a matter of walking through. So one of the prompts that I give people is write a letter 
and mm-hmm. say the things that you wish you had been able to say. Sure. Um, and in that way, they can they can you know write whatever they want and say whatever they need to say, and hopefully have some kind of closure on that. Yeah. In some respects, I don't I don't know. I mean, sure. it's, it's difficult, but. Um, some people really need to go into therapy mm-hmm. after yeah, and, and really work through that in order to be able to get to the other side. Yeah. And there's a difference between a family legacy and an individual legacy. And um, you can change your family legacy with a new generation um, right. while you're building your individual legacy too. So um, Absolutely. you know, with thought and, and deliberate action. Um, it's really interesting. And you know, the words do matter. I mean, we focus on that all the time in our work, but loved one is an assumption and, uh-huh. and frankly, and leaving a legacy. I mean, I think I assume that that's a positive concept, but legacy is neither good nor bad. It's just a word. And so you can have a negative legacy. You can have a positive one too. Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of the things I wanted to say is in all of the work that I do with legacy, I think one of the most important things that we all want, I think it's pretty universal, is that we all want to know that we matter. Yes, yes. And um, when I had a a very close cousin who was like a sister to me, and she had pulmonary fibrosis Mm. and couldn't really talk very much because she was coughing so much, so Mm. we emailed back and forth. Mm -hmm. And two days before she died, I wrote her and I told her um, what I'm going to remember about her, Mm. what I learned from her, Mm -hmm. and how she matters in my life. And she wrote me back and she said, I feel like you've given me a million dollars. And it was at that point that I realized that Probably the most important thing when one is facing death is to know that in some way they matter to someone. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, that's yeah. a wonderful, a wonderful thing to think about. You know, I um, I started in the last year to just do a little handwritten note to someone to let them know I was thinking of them or how they've impacted mm-hmm. my life. And um, great. It really, it, it made me feel great um, just to sort of let people know that they mattered to me. And then it sort of renewed the friendship a little bit even too. So, you know, they, they were so touched to receive something in the mail that um, it renewed the connection. And um, it's like it gives both ways and keeps giving, you know. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. I always, in every class, I always have um, the people write a thank you note to someone who's made a difference in their life. Hmm. And yeah. and it doesn't, it, it matters. It people does. really, yeah, it, people really want to know it that does. they do. Well, I think yeah. our time together is coming to a close, but I wanted to share with our listeners how they can learn more about the work you do or get involved with what you're doing. So where can we send them? So I have a website mm-hmm. and it is Merle, M-E-R-L-E, R Saferstein S A F E R S T E I N dot com. Wonderful. And so do that's you, probably the best way. Cool. Do you do private seminars, workshops? Like um how could people engage with you? Yes. So I do. Mm-hmm. Um I work individually, um specifically writing helping people write their ethical wills. Okay. Um but I do travel and I do workshops all over the country mm-hmm. and um, I'm happy to 
to help anyone who's interested in, in working on legacy. And, and we can do that even on FaceTime or right. you know, over the phone or whatever. Wonderful. So before we close, I wonder if you have any last words of advice for our listeners about um, their own legacy or um, how they make meaning or purpose? Well, I, I think that one of the most important things is to look at what brings you happiness, mm-hmm. um, what speaks to your inner core, mm-hmm. um, and also what qualities you admire in other people, mm-hmm. qualities and things other people are doing, and then in that way it helps. And and probably meaning for me, I know that the most meaningful things I do mm-hmm. are those things involved with, with volunteering, mm-hmm. that um, being, being of service to other people. Mm-hmm. And especially, I find that when things are not particularly going right for me or when I might be down, the mm-hmm. best thing I can do is to help someone else. That's wonderful that's, advice. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's probably how I find the most meaning. Um, there was a quote that I read many years ago that Emerson wrote about success. And one of the things he said was, um, in order to be successful, just leave this world a little bit better because mm. you are here. Mm. And so that's kind of my motto. That's I how it. I, yeah, that's how I live my life I as love best it. I can. Well, thank you so much, Merle Saferstein. I'm so happy that you are on sure. the Make Meaning podcast with me. Um, thank you thank for being you, here today. Thank you. It was really my pleasure and honor. And I appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Wonderful. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Make Meaning Podcast with Lynn Galadner. You can find us wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. I'd love it if you would share our great conversations with your people so we can all add meaning wherever we go and whatever we do.